Welcome to Opposable Films. Opposable Films is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Soil is our challenge this episode, and thanks to our previous guest, Bamanya Bryan, for that challenge. Antonio Garcia is our guest this episode. Greetings, Antonio. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Hey, they're good. Good. We're psyched to have a fellow podcaster and creative person on the, on the horn with us. Mm-hmm. My name is Rob Ray. I use the he, his gender pronoun. I'm a designer by day and an artist by night. I make music and objects using the shimmering trash pile pseudonym. I'm Taylor Hokinson. I'm an artist, educator, DIY enthusiast, CAD cam evangelist, noted tall person, Midwestern Viking, and I'm a he, his kind of guy. I'm Antonio Garcia. I am the founder of Dadwell and Company and vice president of diversity and inclusion for AIGA Chicago. Um, I'm a design leader, mentor, educator, lecturer at Northwestern University Siegel Design Institute and sometimes at Designation. And when I'm not working on those sorts of things, uh, you can find me DJing and drawing and running marathons. Wow. I've been trying to be in shape. um, And I was doing kettlebells for like three weeks um, for four minutes at a time. And I can't tell if I'm hurting myself or not. And the, the marathon is just so far beyond... Just, just thinking about the marathon. Marathoning makes my body hurt. I don't know about you, Rob. Or, oh, Rob, you're. But aren't you an avid bicycler there on the West Coast? I'm a bike. I'm a bike person. Yeah, I, I used to run in upstate New York when it was so cold I could run in the gym. But, um, yeah, I try to biking is my best. It's my best form of exercise because it it lets me fit it in as like, like a pragmatic task, like biking to work or something. Yeah, mm. Antonio, on your website, you know, you have all these affiliations listed with these really interesting design groups and organizations and you talk about DJing and marathoning and all this stuff. And, and one of the things that I found most evocative was to say that you're currently on sabbatical. I actually think maybe sabbatical isn't the, the best word for it because that mm-hmm. usually conjures in people's minds, um, you know, like the traditional academic definition where you sort of leave, you know, the university or whatever, and mm-hmm. you go do deep research for a year and then you come back with, you know, raw material for uh, further studies and that sort of thing. Um, right. And it, and it kind of has a, a connotation that when you're all done with your time, you'll, you'll likely return to where you left off. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, that's not, not the case, uh, for me. Um, it was offered, um, my employer at the time when I kind of going through the process of, you know, making up my mind to leave, um, offered, you know, to keep throwing me some project work and stuff in between. And then, you know, my job would be waiting for me when I came back, which is very generous. And I feel, um, you know, blessed that that was even a possibility. But I also felt like if the point of the time away, any length of time is to undergo some sort of transformation and, and I am different at the end of, in this case, a year, um, you know, I, nothing against the place, but I, I hope I am doing something fundamentally different than I was a year ago. You know, I hope that I am a different person who wants to do different sorts of things and coming back to the job I was doing, like it just wasn't like that. That's kind of seemed like a, a little anticlimactic after the time away. Hmm. The way you're describing it, I feel like every sabbatical should be that way. (laughs) I I think your (laughs) definition is the right one. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Thank you. So yeah, it was just kind of a culmination of things. I, um, I turned 40 um, in February. Our daughter was born um, uh, not too long after that, and our, you know, our second kid. And um, yeah, it's just, you know, you could call it like a, a midlife uh, reckoning or something, but I was just kind of doing a self-audit. Yes. And I was like, okay, I've been in this design industry for 20 years, you know, building other people's dreams for a living. And I've really never worked on my own um, in, you know, with um, with focus, you know, little mm-hmm. side projects here and there and fun little goof arounds, um, just, just weren't cutting it. And mm. I was spending, you know, nights and weekends, um, just kind of full of angst and frustration, not, not getting done what I felt like I was running out of time to do. And yeah, it all just sort of came to a head. And, um, I had been talking with my wife Maris for some time about, these kind of growing frustrations and not being able to reconcile uh, my identity as like a dad and as a creative person. And, you know, long story short, she said, you know, I I think you should take a break. And I agreed. And I 
started to talk to people who had taken sabbaticals, like more traditional academic sabbaticals and talk to people who had um, retired early, like just anybody who had had some sort of intentional disruption to the nine to five thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I came away with was, you know, um, take a year, which just felt like an eternity. It felt so crazy to take a whole year off. Um, But everybody said, you know, you're going to need just a couple of months of detoxing from 20 years of working, you know, totally. Uh, so yeah, that's what I did. I, I decided, um, in March to leave and I've been working on a, a couple of things since, um, most of my focus has been on, on Dadwell, but you know, it's not revenue generating. <laughs> you know, yeah. Right, sure. It's I, you know, for, for a whole year, I haven't been making any money, uh, other than, um, teaching, uh, a little bit at Northwestern. And so, yeah, it's been a it's been a real um a real learning experience. Things are uh-huh. are beginning uh-huh. to come into focus for me. How have you um I had a similar experience where I was in a sort of um multiple crucible like work environments and then I went back to graduate school and really the first semester I like almost like I almost failed. Like I just like didn't know what to do with myself. I was, I didn't almost fail, but I mean, it felt like I was failing like mm. personally, cause I was just so adrift and I was curious, how did you come up with any strategies to kind of, um, readjust or kind of refocus when you started your sabbatical? Yeah, I did. I, uh, those same sorts of people who would encourage me to you know, take way longer than I thought was appropriate, um, offered a lot of advice around that, that that's cool. Yeah. You know, how to structure it and, how to treat it, um, you know, everything from the basics, like get up, take a shower, get dressed, <laughs> you know, like yes. do yeah, not, please, do yeah. not stay <laughs> in your pajamas all day, mm, um, yep. to things that were, you know, m- more philosophical, um, kind of thinking about how, how I'm chunking time and, um, my intentions for it. And, and as interesting things, uh, hit your inbox, um, like take them, examine them, appreciate that they're interesting, but really question like, should I put everything I'm working on down to, to entertain this thing? You know, whether it's a little bit of money for a side project or another cool collaborative experience, like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Really be discerning in, in with those, um, because there's a good chance that they'll be exciting. And then, you know, weeks in you'll go, Oh my God, what am I, what am I doing? I'm so distracted. Um, and then, you know, the, the the worst thing I think you could do is take this time off and then finish with any level of regret. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, right. Right. Yeah. 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 I remember a friend of mine once, a totally well-meaning friend who we'd all gone to grad school with, said in passing, you know, well, you know, everybody that we know that was serious about their art career has since moved to L.A. or New York. And she was like talking to me. <laughs> and I just started laughing. And, uh, you know, we have a relationship where we sort of say mean things to each other on purpose, but she had genuinely said that by accident. (laughs) I'm getting, I think, better and better at what I do, and I'm also getting more and more tired. Um, And so I'm I'm really starting to realize, like, oh, I only have X number of times I can, you know, camp out for three weeks at an iron pour or something. I'm not going to be able to do that that much longer. Um, And so, you know, before when you're younger and you just kind of kind of take anything and take these risks and so forth. And now I'm like, yeah, I have like 20 more opportunities to do X and then I'm going to croak. And it really makes you think about (laughs) Debbie Downer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Antonio, do you have any strategies or thoughts? Uh, Um, like I said, the, this year has, or, you know, the first six months of this year off have given me a lot to think about Mm. certainly. And things are starting to become, clear but i i agree there's um you know what's this the phrase that um youth is wasted on the young yeah Mm, you know and i i feel like when i was younger i had energy but i also had um less certainty about kind of how things worked yeah we all had more dumb as well (laughs) yeah and 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 so now i'm you know I'm, i'm doing everything i can to keep an energy level up or, you know, um, and I'm more confident and or, or just more comfortable in my own skin with who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping that, um, if I can keep my energy up and keep excited about things, then 
it'll get better, like it'll get clearer and easier to to kind of navigate. Um, but I, I think maybe maybe my kids, maybe these conversations with men on the show, um, or just this time, like I appreciate the long game a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I used to be so bent out of shape, feeling like my time was running out, or feeling like. Oh, at this point, I know so many people who have already accomplished X and Y, and here I am doing this other thing, right. and I'm I'm embarrassed by that, or I'm frustrated by that. And um, I think I think life is um, life is really long and really short. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. yep. there's times when um, when I need to be reminded how short it is. You know, like when I'm you know whatever frustrated with my kids, and I'm like, yeah, they're they're gonna be out of the house so soon, and just don't don't be like that you know don't be regretful um later mm-hmm. and then there's other times when i have to remind myself like man life is long like you know when you think of like all the all the all the people who uh who file patents they're like in their 70s like most of like <laughs> if you look at like mm-hmm. when people innovate and when people have these breakthroughs that are worth patenting like they're way far deep in their careers and so i feel like oh i've got lots of time to like land on cool things and <laughs> Sure. discover stuff yeah we didn't get to uh give you an opportunity to highlight the podcast and sort of what the premise is and so i uh, thought yeah, would be call. remiss if we didn't do that oh sure yeah appreciate it um well i had mentioned that uh this idea of interviewing men i admire who have thriving creative practices entrepreneurial creative practices and who are also kick-ass dads was important just for my own learning um, and kind of selfish research. Like, I, I want to be better at both of those things. I should talk to people mm-hmm. who, at least from my vantage point, are are good in, in both areas. And so um, the initial show lineup was friends um, who I'd seen in action with their kids and who I already really admired their work. And the distinction was that... Um, that they weren't like agency and studio guys. Not that there's mm-hmm. anything wrong mm-hmm. with that type of work. It's just that's what I had been doing. And I was very curious about yeah. um, these other paths that people take, these sort of non-traditional paths, whether that's, you know, starting their own thing or some combination of different kinds of work. Um, and so that that's how the, the show came about. And um, the initial discussion guide is what I've stuck to for three seasons now. And it, it just follows a a regular chronology sort of um, the guests telling me about their own dad and what their, or father figures they had, what they did for a living and how that did or did not uh, move them to a creative field themselves and sort of influence that, that way of working. And then um, to talk about their, their work in general, you know, kind of school and the things that they've made and, you know, how, how they got to where they are or at least to the moment where they found out that they were having a kid and then every, mm-hmm. everything that kind of happens right after that, like what stayed the same, what did you have to put away, what new things occurred, you know, how's your creative practice um, kind of survived that. And, uh, and that, that's sort of where we conclude, you know, this idea that somehow they're making it work and I'm curious about those strategies. So it's definitely, you know, we talk about tactical stuff like, what does your composition of work look like? How do you pay the bills? Um, But then we also talk about like their fathering philosophy and, um, you know, um, kind of how their, their children might inspire their work or how they um, preserve time to be creative, maybe without their kids as distractions. And that's the show. Uh, Each season is six episodes long. Each episode is about an hour and, um, yeah, we've started uh, season three, and um, I've got enough recorded uh, to get me through that. And then, then I'm going to have to start interviewing people I don't know personally. <laughs> yeah, we had a similar experience, I'd say. Like we, of course, reach out. You reach out to who you know, you know, and then you start to dig deeper. So. Well, part of the wrinkle with ours too was, and Rob, I really appreciate your right from the beginning wanting to promote. Uh, non-cis white guy voices and then you start to realize oh man I know a lot of those guys <laughs> and uh-huh. then you just like go uh-huh. do the work 
and then you yep. you surprise yep. yourself and realize, whoa, actually, I do know a lot of people that aren't from that narrow community, and so that that's been yep. part of our driving, um, our kind of mission statement, just loosely for sure. Yeah, um, yep. yeah. Taylor, I think you're up first for projects. This all right, uh, cool. I have uh, sent you guys a zip, so go ahead and, and cool. check it out. Okay. Uh, what are you seeing, Antonio? Um, a drill press and yep. um, other tools you'd expect to see in a shop. But then there's also yes. uh, like a like a stereo quarter inch yep. headphone uh, plug. Um, yeah. And then the receiving end too, right? Yeah. And then yep. um, some kind of metal box that has uh, a few holes in it. Yeah, I think of that as like a project box, like some sort of electronics. But it's a nice one. It's like not plastic. It's aluminum, maybe. Yep. Uh, you guys are right on the money. And that's a square and some drill bits. I'm imagining some sort of electronics, possibly audio, because he's got electronics box with some ins and outs. Uh, let's go to image number soil 001, which is our second image. Uh, the interior of that box, or maybe the, the mm. underside of it, with um, yep. some wires exposed and uh, soldering iron and and more more like electronic tools. Yep, yep. You see a spool of solder. Oh, check out Antonio that the lid of the box back there, and a little bit in the background. Oh, there yeah. is like Some, a fountain of cables coming out of it. <laughs> There's a fountain of cables coming out of the yeah. what looks to be maybe a push button or something, but it's got at least six probably um, uh, wires, you know, maybe 22 gauge, 20 gauge wire that Taylor has soldered in. So those leads are going to go somewhere. And inside the project box, we see there looks to be a little like single pull, single throw switch maybe on one side. And then the quarter inch in on the other uh at least on the on oh yeah on both sides this is almost could be like a guitar pedal or something interesting okay so cool uh let's see uh next image oh there we go nice yeah an ecu of that uh of that switch uh and wire fountain on the lid of yes. that of that box and that is all the is that right is that all the images we're getting there's one more image oh we got one more <laughs> With, oh wow <laughs> There's a sad face on it. Yep. We see a definite um, hand-drawn sad face onto the image. Uh, a very, very blurry picture of a breadboard. The next thing we have is an MP3. So yeah, make sure, the, uh, make sure your audio is not up too high for this MP3. Oh, cool. Okay, I think I'm ready. And play. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. We're getting some like very metal sounding distortion. There was a very guitar-y part in the beginning that maybe was Taylor playing. Yeah, just nice fuzzy guitar. I don't know. Yeah, uh, very fuzzy. Yeah, I liked it. Do uh, bonus points if you can recognize the song there. I know. I can't place it. I was like, oh, oh, oh. I, I don't want to make you think too hard. This this just what came on automatically after Metallica on Spotify is uh, Pantera. <laughs> so 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 let me tell you guys a little bit about this. Great. Um, because by so Rob got it uh, right off the top where I was trying to make a distortion pedal because I was thinking about because um, they talk about like making the signal kind of dirty or putting fuzz or dirt or noise or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. In the signal, and also Brian, you know, working in the synth space and all that, I wanted to do some electronics, but um, I was trying to work off of Instructables, and I love Instructables, but there was this hilarious cavalcade of um, Instructables called things like build a distortion pedal in 23 easy steps, <laughs> and, then, yep. and then they would just get so overcomplicated, and some of them were so hilariously documented, so the, the image that I included was one of them where a very well-meaning person just took the world's just shittiest photograph. <laughs> it just looked like it was taken with a potato. 
Um, it does. And so, does. yeah, so I, I found one that I thought was pretty good that had been cross-posted at Jameco. I thought, oh, you know, this one's like a sponsored post and it'll be all right. And I dove in on it and then got really far before I realized, oh, I just like the schematic is weird and it's unclear about X and Y. So I, I had to cast around after the fact, like after I had kind of wired everything and to try and find a simpler one. And I finally came up with this um, a set of posts from 2011 for this organization or this website called the uh, the DIY Club. Um, and this guy, Seymour Duncan. So he made some really nice PDFs that talked really, really in detail about how to make um, some distortion pedals. So I just made, ultimately, I made a really simple one that um, couldn't be adjusted at all. It's just completely maxed out, which it's effectively just amplifying everything so high that it clips and acts funny. Um, yeah. And then the other issue, the classic issue, is you have to test with everything as close as possible to the final output. So I was testing with my iPod into the um, or my iPhone oh, into the pedal, uh-huh. and then when I plugged a guitar uh-huh. in, finally, it just didn't have enough of a signal to oh no uh, e- even for the uh, distortion pedal, which is technically an amplifier, to do anything. Um, so I was trying it out at the last minute and couldn't get it going. So I, I just had to steal an MP3. Um, uh, or borrow rather uh, the the MP3 offline just to give a demonstration of what the distortion sounds like. Taylor, you're officially a musician now yes. because you have now <laughs> spent more time on gear than you have playing music. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I have to admit that um, where I have gotten the whole thing to work, I would just have to strum the guitar because I can't play anything. Yes, Antonio, you you have a, D- a DJing part of your life, right? I do. I wish I did it. Mm. At times, yeah. I wish I did it a whole lot more than I do, but I mm-hmm. uh, at mm-hmm. this point, I'm kind of pumped because I have some friends who um, have a a spot just down the street from where we live, and um, it used to be called Marie's. It was a pool hall. Oh yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and they bought it and they turned it into a place called Surge, and it's billiards at night, um, and then during the day, it's a coffee shop, and oh. uh, and so I have a little residency there, if you can call it that, um, where I DJ twice a month. Um, on Saturdays and it's just it's so nice to have something I can count on you know totally. like, like build yep. it into my my plan and uh like a lot of the creative things that I'm into it's really driven by just wanting to share uh ideas or new things with people and so that gives me guaranteed you know two times every month that I can share new music and yep. Yep. and things like that so um I'm definitely not a DJ's DJ you know like I I have close friends who are like that's what they do for a living and they uh-huh. they only dj vinyl and they're just they're just um, they're just awesome you know whether they're turntablists or just straight up djs yeah and, um yeah, yeah. i always feel like a little bit of a of a of a phony uh just because of like how i came up djing even though i've been mm-hmm. doing it for 10 years now it's it's never been my full-time thing and so i've always been um, kind of on the outside looking in at, at these other people I know who are so much better. And um, it's uh, it's still fun, though. I mean, I think that's the main point is I still like sharing music and DJing gives me a great a great space to do that in. Yeah, it's such a great way to also like just push yourself into listening for new music and stuff, which is really nice. Indeed, yeah. That's cool. They probably are like right now like, oh, man, I, I remember when I used to just DJ for fun. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's yeah. true. That's oh, true. Yikes. Do you have any um anything online that p- people might want to listen to? Uh so if you if you go to mixcloud.com slash Tony Jr. Um awesome. J- Jr. spelled out J U N I O R. Um cool. yeah, I've got I've got mixes up there. All all kinds Great. of stuff. Um the last thing I posted was uh music from Ghana. Um Whoa. I DJ'd a I DJ'd a friend's wedding. Uh, he's Ghanaian, his uh, wife is Indian, and it was just the most amazing mashup of culture and sounds and these two beautiful families coming together. And uh, so this mix isn't that. It isn't like Ghanaian Indian set, but it's just all the music that I collected while working with them to, you know, I, I didn't know oh, anything cool. about music from Ghana. So this was yeah an awesome, to your point, like way to hunt down new music and, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, have a point of view about it quickly and put something forward. So that's great. Yeah, thanks. All right, Antonio, you're, you're up next. Yeah, let's take a look at Antonio's stuff. I'm excited. Hey, 
Which folder should we look at first? Um, well, reference has a bunch of imagery uh, that that I use as inspiration, and then um, oh, cool, okay. The the whip folder is um, is just work in progress where I was just taking screenshots as I was making stuff. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, okay. Rap, should we do reference then whip? Let's do it. Uh, I'm looking at golden poo stickers, like the little <laughs> emoji <laughs> graphic stickers. They look like they're Japanese in origin, as with all adorable poo. I can make that generalization. What else are you saying, Rob? Oh, man. So golden. So nice. <laughs> wow. It's like a star sticker that you would get like if you did an A++, but it's a poo emoji yeah. also. <laughs> really nice. Yeah. The next image we have, oh, a scene from a side-scrolling video game, very Mario-esque. JJ and Jeff. I don't know what that is. There's a poo falling though from a bird. <laughs> it's it's not overhead. it's not a bird ap- appropriate poo, but perhaps therein lies the humor. Uh, it it also has a very small resolution, which is suggestive that mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is originating. Like I don't know if it's a hacked game or just a terrible one or what, but it's suggestive yeah. that it's ca- that is actually coming from like a handheld device or something, or it's just somebody something, trying to mock yeah. up that aesthetic. I don't know. Oh, next image we now see. <laughs> This person, either whose name is either maybe JJ or Jeff. Yeah, I, I think that's JJ. And then we see some some bees. Is that a? Those are. I think those bees? are flies, man. Flies. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Because JJ or Jeff is emerging from the unisex bathroom. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm pretty excited about the swerve that's coming next, Rob. You want to talk about it? The Michael Kors Louis Vuitton mm-hmm. handbags. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, some sizable, very fancy handbags. They're brown. Yep. We're going from poo stickers, a poo game, and now we have two fairly high end, fairly large handbags yeah. from two famous designers on a on a piece of granite. Yeah, like in a kitchen counter. Um, yep. I'm just yep. gonna go out on a limb and say they're they're roughly they're like pouchy, kind of piles mm-hmm. of brown material <laughs> i'm just going with the, mm-hmm. the formal connection right now <laughs> yep me too yep same next image super mario world map underscore s-e-n-e-s dot jpeg yep we have the super mario world map the overworld map wow. like where you run around between levels oh maybe soil, maybe the louis vuitton soil. and all that stuff because they have such a repetitious um the way that the logo is printed again and again in a kind of grid-like form mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, starts mm-hmm. to sound like it overlaps with the uh, pixel graphics of Mario and that kind yeah. of thing. So should we dive into the whip? Yeah, let's do it. Let's take a look at whip. Cool. All right. So we're in uh, Illustrator, uh, working from some reference material for Uno cards. Oh yeah, um, nice Uno the game. Yeah. So perhaps we're going to be like uh, stealing the uh, font to make a uh, sort of like a, a commentary. A parallel set yeah. of Uno cards. And it says Unco on the left, and there's a poop on the right. Yeah. So this could get interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think, Taylor, you're on to something. We see a screenshot from Adobe Illustrator with the word Unco looking like it's being very closely mapped to the Uno mm-hmm. design uh, guidebook. Yeah, and trying to capture the way, like, the interior and exterior strokes of the, because it's a, it's a two-color font. Okay, next image. Oh, this is getting really good. Yeah. Okay, uh, we've got the the poo emoji looking great. I don't know what it is, why it looks so good right now. It's that like nice thick line around the edge. Oh, and then we have a soft serve ice cream cone. It's very poo emoji vibe. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Oh, now we've got the poo emoji indeed placed on top of the ice cream cone. Yep. Now we've got like a juicy drip drip type yeah. face. I'm assuming that's like simplified kanji or something like that. Yeah, kind of a nice fusion. It's like like lightly recalling Web 2.0 jelly, um, but then mm-hmm, also mm-hmm, yep. uh, kind of graffiti fat line aesthetic. Yeah, too. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. When the kind of rave rave design and hip hop design were kind of merging. Yep, it's great, yep. great, great time in design. Um, oh, some stippling on the on the poo emoji. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so it's a thing that I think deserves saying out loud. There's a really great strategy in in color selection that I sleep on all the time, which is picking a mid-tone color so that you have you can both accelerate into a lighter color and into a darker color mm-hmm. for accents. Mm-hmm. And I 
I sleep on that every time. And then I realize I needed to do it. And I'm like, I need to lighten up my color so I can go in both directions. And so it's nice to see that here. Oh, next image. Wow. Yeah. We're, whoa, this is good. Wow. This is good. Yeah, we're getting very stylized. Um, what would you call that pattern? Well, we have a poo emoji almost um it almost looks like a security envelope backing <laughs> uh kind of repeating form yeah. as a background and then we see this really nice like um almost digital waveform look uh, uh very stylized a very round rounded like like big radiuses on the edges uh kind of pattern in the middle and the poo emoji is kind of accelerating out of this uh almost waveform yeah, it's kind of um it's helping make a transition vertically from patterns on top to just a solid yeah. dark brown below. Yeah. And then I'm looking at an image where we're expanding out past the artboard so we can see it's I, nice to see yeah. Antonio's process. I'm kind of just flipping around Rob now between all of the different images. Yeah, we're, we're seeing Antonio has like kind of pulled in all these different kind of references, drawings and stuff mm -hmm. that he's done into a s single kind of cohesive design that does a thing that I'm so not good at that I really am enjoying, which is this like complexity, this like, like layering complexity where your eye is kind of constantly being pushed to the very back pattern that fills in the back and then pushed all the way forward to like sort of foregrounded in the lower bottom of the image. And I really, um, I always feel like my design work doesn't have that sophistication that I want it to to be able to kind of push your eye around the image by it. Like it feels like you're doing it on your own, but really the, the design work is doing that is helping you along there. That's really nice. Uh, and then Anko um, is sometimes given as a literal translation of the English interjection shit as an exp expression oh. of displeasure. But this oh, is nice. inaccurate as Anko sounds more like someone saying, Oh turd or Oh doo doo. <laughs> according to according to the internet aha so the, the last couple include some pixel art um some of which is familiar from that video game um and then if i take a look now back at the opposable thumb soil kind of final image um you can see that that finished browning right there oh yeah wow yeah right enough that's great. And I'm assuming that those are the, the Unko characters are represented in Japanese as well. Yes. Right. right. Yep. Antonio, how did we do? Yeah. You nailed it. All of it. Awesome. Um, nice. hey. You laid it out pretty well. <laughs> uh, you guys had me rolling. Uh, <laughs> your like friendly commentary of all this like scatological humor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, when you, when you told me the challenge was soil, um, maybe it's because I have, you know, a 15 month old and we're, we're changing soil yeah. diapers. So you think about um, it all the time. Yeah. That's totally where my mind went with it. Um, and I, and I never talked about like shitty diapers as soiled until you're in like school settings and formal settings. And it's like, Oh, her diaper was wet or her diaper was soiled. Mm -hmm. And it was a very polite way of saying, you know, poop on the scene. Yep. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> yep. Yep. From there, I just, I went to a lot of a lot of different places, but um, backing up into some of the reference imagery, um, when my wife and I were in Japan, that's where I got those um, those good luck charm stickers, the oh, little nice. golden poo stickers. Uh, mm -hmm. And I thought that was just funny because, I don't know, in the West, we don't really associate poo with good luck. Um, but there, in certain instances, that's the case. And so... I had those and they're so like precious to me that I haven't peeled them and stuck them on anything. Right, I just, yeah. I like them too much as like a sheet of stickers. Um, but just thinking of like polite ways of talking about a dirty diaper and uh, poop being sort of exalted to this form of, you know, golden and good luck charms. Um, that's where the colorway came for the word unko um, in, in Haragana. Um, the, you know, the typeface that's there. I love logo flips like from the nineties where, you know, mm -hmm. that sort of clever twists on popular logos. And, um, yeah. and so I was thinking of Unko and I was thinking of Uno and the card game and, and I wanted to provide a, a translation for the Japanese characters. Um, and so that seemed like an easy thing to do. And then some of those vector shapes, 
were inspired by the landforms of those um, 16-bit games like Super Mario Brothers and um, the maps. And then um, I think the, the, the whole of it, though, was a friend of mine in elementary school, uh, his mom worked for NEC, and she got to take home a PC Engine, which was a Japanese video game system. And it came with a game called um, Katokan, uh, Katochan and Kenchan. And there are two comedians from Japan, this sort of slapstick show. And the video game of them, um, when we played it, we didn't speak any Japanese, couldn't read the game, but uh-huh. we just started goofing around. The video game is like all, it's like all toilet humor. And so um, like y- you find your companion like squatting in the woods and taking a shit and like the birds fly over you and they shit on you. And if you press down on the controller, um, you squat and fart and that like can kill an enemy. And <laughs> it was just like our elementary school brains were just blown. Like, no way. Like, how is this a video game? Like, we just loved it, you know, because it's yeah, plays yeah. to all of your juvenile senses. And, and then when the game finally came out in the States, they called it um, JJ and Jeff and they changed all of that Whoa. stuff. Yeah. And so there was no poo. And when you squatted down instead of a little fart coming out, you had like a little spray can and a little like tuff of spray would come out of the spray can instead. And it just, it killed everything. Um, uh, and, and so like the poo, um, the actual like pixel art poo came from, from that game, like ripped oh, the sprite awesome. right out of that game. Wow. Um, That's awesome. To just kind of pay, um, homage to that um but yeah i think about like the emojis that we have and just the word emoji is also japanese um and the the poop emoji is so popular now and has taken on you know a life of its own and all kinds of meanings um so yeah that's that's sort of all of it mashed up into one thing you know half tones and pixels and super flat vector art um trying to bring those different styles together in in one composition cool yeah it's really working that is really great yeah thanks excellent work the uh it's it's so yeah. much fun to watch how people interpret this stuff it is it's really good <laughs> yeah that's so i was a little embarrassed while i was working on my wife my wife was like seriously and i was like yeah like you'll yeah. see when i'm done it'll Everybody be poops. real cute and she did like it when it was finished. it's the mark of genius I mean, you gotta just keep just keep plowing yeah, yeah. I, I just I know they, I'll be they understood. Can't see it, but you can. <laughs> All right, Rob. Should we take a look at yours, please? Antonio, do you have any idea what that thing is in the first? Oh, is that a record stylus? Yeah, upside down. Ah, uh, and opened up. Ooh. Uh, no, I think that's actually how a lot of them are underneath. Oh, they're just um, open to the wind like that, with the wires hanging? Yeah. Yep. 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 What's he going to do? I don't know. In the next image, he's got uh, some notes and uh, RCA cables sitting mm-hmm. underneath, labeled yep. as such. He's figuring out the pinout, getting the uh, alligator clips in there. And then it looks like that's running into a little... Uh, those little breakout boxes that give you a, a ground for your turntable, but then usually give you something like USB out or another another type of audio out. Mm-hmm. And then we've got a measuring cup with like salt or sugar or something in the bottom. Mm-hmm. Just a little Some tiny light. bit. Yep. And then the next shot, it's gone. I think he's dissolved it into a fluid like water. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And then it looks like a small piece of square foil is being wrapped around the stylus and the connections. And with a brush, uh, some of that salt or sugar solutions being applied. Mm-hmm. What do you see? I'm looking at number nine. And yeah, there's a, there's a little visitor who... Flew in from my from from my artwork. So it is sugar. Yeah, there's a little fly who landed next door yeah. uh, to the grid to the grid paper, and seems to be uh, buzzing around. Is he trying to collect fly eggs or poison Ugh. flies? Yeah, I wonder. Uh, a couple down. It looks like maybe more of that solution is being applied again to the foil. Yeah. 
Interesting. Should we take a look at the video? Yeah, that fly just keeps hanging out. All right, I've got Rob's video. You ready to hit play? I am. All right, let's do it. Go. Rob has some extraordinarily brave flies, which he's actually poking with a stick, and the fly is still not moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just kind of uh, getting him onto the uh, end of that stick to bring him here. closer to the foil. So will the flies footsteps on the foil somehow be conducted into an audio signal i'm wondering about it because the uh, foil is um is just placed so loosely atop this thing i but i suppose that the stylus must be pretty sensitive to vibration so so <laughs> so rob is very kindly allowing this fly to take a drink of his little solution it's putting its little fly hands on the there it goes oh it flew away oh we're in Adobe Adobe Audition, and then I think we're about to hear the noise that Rob picked up. So you apply noise reduction. Try and pull that signal up. Oh, I think I'm getting some sound now at 6.45. There's this really great sound going before you even get the fly out of the tinfoil. Yeah, so you can definitely hear the stick striking the tinfoil, making like a somewhat like a hammer or a gong sound, kind of. And the big question is, will the fly cause it to operate as well? Man, that, that sound that it just picks up when nothing's happening is really interesting. Yeah, it sounds like a... This, the background of a lab in a science fiction movie yep. from the 50s. Uh, for sure, for sure. Wugga, 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 wugga. I think that's my air conditioner. It's picking up through mm. the stylus of the needle. Cool. Yeah. So the fly is drinking. I can't quite hear anything yet. Oh, there it is. Just a little teeny tiny kind of drumming on the surface. Wow, that's cool. Oh, weird. Is that its little proboscis? Sucking it, yep. sucking around on that surface. Gross. Yeah. Yeah, but it seems like, you know, with the, the setup Rob's picked, where he's starting from the stylus detached from the record player and then running through some kind of, like, vinyl amp. Or, yeah, preamp. Yeah, yep. preamp or something like that, uh, which I need to learn about. Um, he's managing yes. to really pull some very, very teeny sounds. Um, from this fly making its way around. That is super cool, dude. <laughs> that is super cool. It so overlapped with both of your projects. Yeah, I was weird. so excited. <laughs> I was like, I've got poop, I've got flies, I got yep. guitar stomp boxes. Yeah, for <laughs> we out. all were in that same same realm. Interesting. I wonder why. I really like uh I really like what's happening around a, like eleven twenty five. It's starting mm-hmm. to like rub its legs together and move about a bit. And there's Yeah, uh, you can really hear each leg. Yeah. yeah. That's it's wild. Pretty, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, soil was our challenge mm-hmm. and I, I, um, was very inspired by Brian's, um, Afro rack synth. My original sort of thinking was like, I want to incorporate worms or dirt or something like that into the mix. And so I started down this path with the video and, um, files that you're seeing. And in the middle of me making this thing, this fly shows up. And it's just like giving me grief, like for an hour, like, and I was like, all right, fly, you're going to be my test case. Yeah. So I was going to originally lay this outside and just have it like, um, put a light on it and then see what kind of bugs were attracted to the light, mm-hmm. light you know, but I, I got one right in my lap, like this fly just showed up. So I was like, the fly felt like really hard because they're so light and like, so it seemed like the hardest of anything, right? As opposed to like a roach or something crawling across the foil. Right. Um, but I went for it and I figured, well, if I get some signal, then I'm, I'm just going to be happy with that. And it worked out. So yeah, I got, I got a fly crawling on foil and I, I learned about it because um, I was Googling around and saw, I was, I was really trying to think about like fancy microphones, like one that I would have to rent or something. Mm-hmm. And this, I read this academic paper where this guy says, oh, I, we took a record needle and we just rested the record needle on a stick and we could hear the bugs marching up and down on the stick. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to reproduce that. But then I needed like a flatter 
more attractive surface. I don't know. I was worried about a stick, so I went with aluminum foil. Mm. It didn't make it work. So. Wow. Really elegant, man. I mean, so simple, but resi- like I just I couldn't have told you what that was going to sound like until, until yeah. I heard it. Yeah. yeah, it worked out pretty good. Great. It's it's weird because it really is like a micro. It's like a sound, a world of sound that we don't hear, you know, which is neat. So, so do you have plans to integrate that into some other kind of project, or was this more just for the the plain science of it? Well, originally I was like, um, I don't know if um, there's this person, Pete Pete Blasser. He's like a really interesting artist and like synth maker person. He made this worm synth where um there's all these like little brass rods that stick up out of this board and he throws a bunch of worms on there and like the wiggling like conductivity of the worms mm-hmm. creates this kind of randomized sound pattern. So I was look- going for something like that. And I originally my original plan was to make it like a the the like soil mod module for a modular synth. So like it could be like a fly or something in a and like a uh plastic box or something but i was i just didn't know if it would work and i feel like i don't know this you you know sound clearly was like extremely noise reduced and really amplified Mm -hmm. so i don't know if i would be able to get a signal like off the board you know that sounds that that you can hear so but it would be cool to make them like an ecological like an ecology synthesizer or something that has all these different sounds from nature or something well, yeah it's, it's funny you mentioned that too I'm, I'm putting a link up on skype but one of the things that really got me going was this dude who was making a euro rack module that had actual dirt that supposedly he got from like the oracle of delphi or something and so there was there's like this little laser cut acrylic rig that has a a little cube of dirt and then the the module actually passes electricity somehow through the dirt um to, to lend oh my gosh, you know, some kind of like you know the uh, gods of rock and roll um into your yeah. into your sound so yeah that was kind of what got me down the whole path in the first place that's awesome yeah you mentioned our art friend and previous guest megan trainer who is um in into technology and witchcraft so i was gonna definitely send her this i thought she'd dig it yeah right on hmm. great work everybody yeah yeah Soil. we did it yep <laughs> thanks for uh yeah. Uh, who was it that that suggested that as the term? Oh, Manya uh, Brian. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, the, yep, the Ugandan yep. Uh, yep. producer and um, uh, DJ yeah, synth maker. Yep, DIY tech extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. So great. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was. It was. I, that was. A, that was one Taylor. I have to admit that this time, this this general, the general concept came to me right away. And there I was you go, so man. And I well, channeled my inner Taylor Hokinson. <laughs> Antonio T- Taylor. Taylor always has like at least like the the realm of his idea very quickly and i usually <laughs> sit on it stew on it for like six days yeah. so i was pretty excited that it came came together uh antonio do you have um any links to your own work or to other th- things that you're looking at on the internet that you like the dadwell podcast is is just dadwell.co and from there you can find all the all the things that are involved in that um in terms of the show and merch and show notes and other things um it's funny as as a designer now, I don't really have work up anymore, um, right? Because right. I am usually helping teams um, and sort of managing people and talent and stuff. So uh, that's just been funny over time to just not not show that stuff um, the same way I used to. But uh, what I do have is a Behance portfolio f- uh, full of fun illustrations, like the one I did for the show and. Um, that's actually when I think of like my work, I think of, of that stuff. That's like usually for nobody, but just, um, lets me jump back into illustrator and, and flex those, um, those muscles again. Totally. Yeah. Um, so you can get to that. I think a couple, a couple different URLs linked to the same place. Um, I believe neon, I believe neon relish takes you there um, <laughs> chicago <okay>. reference <laughs> yeah, yeah totally <laughs> and uh and then super cute spelled all goofy um s-o-o-p-a-q-o-o-t okay. dot, dot com i think both of those um were past projects that now just link to one thing oh yeah cool i'll um, put those in show notes too so people can just click right on the show notes. thanks yeah um trying to think what else i've been watching a show um it's actually older so Maybe people have already 
been there and done that. But um, I got a Shutter account. Um, oh, what's that? It's a uh, uh, it's like the all horror um, channel. Oh yeah, Shutter with two Ds. Yes, oh. yes. Um, and uh, and I especially like it in October. You know, as we get closer to Halloween, and I just I love horror movies and. Used to host a horror movie marathon uh, underground in Chicago. Not physically underground, but like a an unauthorized yeah. um, uh, horror movie marathon called Cinema of the Sick. And I did it for 10 years. And um, <laughs> we showed three three movies. There's a whole format for how it worked. But um, anyways, uh, since I don't do that anymore, I, I've just kind of fallen off on the, on the horror and the terror and those sorts of movies. And the shutter account has got me back into it, which has just been uh, a lot of fun. And so there's a, I think it's a shutter exclusive, um, series called channel zero and it's an, it's an anthology series. So I think it's up to season four now, but each season is, is a different story unpacked over like 45 minute long episodes. Um, and I'm only into the first one, but it's so good. Um, yeah, it's just like nothing I've seen in a while. Um, and having seen just so many horror movies, it takes uh-huh, uh-huh. It, ta- it takes a lot for me to be like, oh, that's that's really good. Um, and I'm just really enjoying it. And so I'm trying to squeeze in, you know, views at all sorts of weird times, like on the train and late at night and trying to watch shows as an adult with children is you just watch them in these sad little fragments. So yeah. That's what I've been up to lately, have at you, least for uh, October. Have you seen uh, Hereditary? Yes. Yeah. Oh man, so good. I love I that love movie. It. Have you seen this, Rob? No, no. What is it's it? It's just it's a really fantastic horror movie in this great classic vein where it's not like oh they figure out that they just have to break the gemstone and then everybody wins. <laughs> it's like it doesn't work out. <laughs> and so it's just it's a you know kind of story about things getting worse and worse until they're as bad as they can be. But there's uh-huh. also some really human parts where so there's just an incredible scene in it where this teenager has to um deal with something really really horrible that's just happened to him and he doesn't want to quite confront it yet. And so he manages to put like eight hours in between him and the confrontation. And there are some shots that are just so amazing and taut that have no violence or blood or anything in them because you know what's like sitting just off out of frame. Um, Oh, it's great. And it's, it's really, really scary. (laughs) Like I was putting my kid to bed and just constantly feeling, you know, somebody like right over my shoulder about to strangle me. (laughs) Yeah. It has um uh Tony Collette yep. is in it. Yep. And um there's uh she's just she's her character is going through a lot of loss. Right. Um and there's just a moment where she finally kind of just gives into that and comes apart. And it's such an extreme loss. Um like the scenario is so over the top, like I hope no no human ever experiences what she experiences mm, yeah. but yeah. her her performance there um yeah i don't know I'm, i don't think i've ever seen anything in a film quite like that um and and i guess as a parent you watch it and you ask yourself like how, oh god i don't even know how i would react but seeing her like yeah probably probably just like that just you like know the, the way yeah. the way yeah, she comes sure. apart and uh that filmmaker um he he explores that kind of thing um so humanly and so deeply in in other films too that um yeah i i'm just a big fan of uh of that director's work well, he's got a recent release right isn't he the one that came out with midsummer right that's right yeah which i still haven't seen but i'm looking forward oh, to yeah. it oh yeah yeah please do it's uh it's just as um it's just as insane as hereditary but in a you know in a a totally different way right cool i have only one random thing to shout out and um it's goofy but but it was really good there's this um software as a service kind of thing called grammarly are y'all tuned in oh, yeah. i think i have checked that out it's pretty amazing like it's expensive like so let me just forward that that problem it's like 30 bucks for the month and then 
it's kind of one of these things where they kind of know like people people probably start using it because they really need it and then it's like they price it so it's like well maybe i should get the six month plan because i get four months free you know like it's really priced um intelligently all that subscription really, stuff drives the movie to the year yeah yep and it has a browser plugin. It doesn't work perfect with Google Docs, but it works pretty good. But they have a standalone app where you can copy and paste your text in there. And I've been working on some writing lately, and it's writing that like it's not like casual writing, and so like rant writing and that kind of stuff. And it is really nice to have a turbocharged um, writing system. And in a way, it's almost like the closest thing I've ever come to like photoshop or something for writing where like it Mm. it it helps you think through the structures of your sentence you know it's not perfect but um if you have a high stakes kind of thing that you're writing that you feel like you know maybe it's a a big grant or something and you just really want it to deliver and you you feel like i just need another pair of eyes on it it's a pretty good it's a pretty good system and occasionally in life it's worth paying 30 bucks for that kind of thing and it really worked out. So uh, I don't think I'm going to use it year round. I'm not really a professional writer or something, but um, it's, it's quite good. You can find photos of our finished projects over at projects.opposablepodcast.com. Uh, we also have links in our show notes and we post cool stuff over at our Instagram account, which is opposable underscore podcast. And we will, hopefully we'll be posting some of Antonio's awesome design work and Taylor's red stomp box and my f- fly that would not. Oh, by the way, that video of me chasing the fly was about two and a half hours of me chasing the fly <laughs> compressed down into into three minutes. That fly was not landing on that foil. Anyway, okay. Uh, we'd like to send you an opposable thumb sticker. If you share a podcast episode on social media, rate us on iTunes, send smoke signals or some other cool thing to let people know about the podcast, we will mail you a sticker. Just email us over at opposablepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram. We'd like to give a shout out to Wesley Ellis, Charlene McBride, Adam Mayer, Deb Chatra, Blondie Hacks, Nick Contar, Walter Katundu, and David Bellhorn. They are our top Patreon supporters. And if you'd like to join them in our League of Patreon Supporter Badasses, please go to patreon.com slash opposable thumbs to sponsor us. Anything you donate really helps. Our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter, or religion, or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment, and we want you to be a part of it. You can check out our full code of conduct over at our site. Antonio, this is the point in the podcast where you get to decide the life path for Taylor and I and a guest (laughs) in our creative journey to episode 66. Man, that is a lot of uh, pressure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're used to it. Let's see. I had a couple written down and I know that doesn't help because I'm just supposed to give you one. Um, so I'm going to go with marathon. Um, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just finished running uh, Twin Cities a couple weekends ago and it's there's this weird like postpartum thing that happens after you train for something like that and then you're done and then you sort of get all this free time back that you're not out running. And I'm not somebody who like necessarily runs all year long. And so there's this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's this sort of drop off that leaves you feeling a little sad afterwards. Um, and so I've been thinking about that and kind of like, well, how will I fill that time? And what will I do? Um, you know, while I run another marathon, these sorts of things have been floating around in my brain. So, um, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about it and you can take it however you like. Awesome. Nice. I'm into it. That's that's. Antonio, thank you so much. This was really yeah, great. Yeah, it was great having you on. Thank you very much for having me. It was a ton of fun. And uh, yeah, it's so rare that you get visibility into other people's processes and the way they're thinking through stuff, you know, totally. especially on yep. the internet where everybody just kind of posts their their best of highlight reel final oh, work. Yeah. I think yep. this is great uh, what you guys are doing and letting people you know, kind of pull back the curtain on your creative processes. Is just, it's just awesome. Great. Totally. And people go, go, go hit deadwell.co. The podcast is amazing. Every episode, I've just been like, oh my God, I'm not alone. So it's been really good. So thanks. It's, uh, it's cathartic uh, for the guest and, and also for me.
Ja, det är